Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Life Central. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're all about, check out our website, lifecentral.org.za or like, follow and subscribe to our social media channels. We hope this message speaks into your life and that you will find meaning and purpose through it, guiding you through your daily life. Far too often, people tend to think of the body as this container that carries the soul around all day and think of the soul as kind of the real you, this invisible, immaterial part that goes to heaven one day when you die. We see this play out in how people live every day. This idea or this attitude of, I can do whatever I want with my body because it's just my body. It's not my soul. But throughout Scripture, we see that God still places value on the body. In fact, the original word that's used for soul in Scripture speaks into the whole you. It speaks into soul, it speaks into spirit, and it includes the body. Now, as long as you're alive on this side of eternity, wherever you take your body, your soul will always be there. We can't live as if it's not connected. Your body is a core component of who you are. Now, Paul speaks into this when he addresses the church in Rome in the first century. As he says this, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Did you catch what he said there? He says that we are to offer to God the members of our bodies as these instruments to do what is right for the glory of God. Other translations say that we should offer to God the members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. Stop and think about that for a moment. Your foot, an instrument of righteousness. Your hand, an instrument of righteousness. Your stomach, an instrument of righteousness. Your mouth, this instrument of righteousness. Your eyes, these instruments of righteousness. Think about the implications of that. You see, guys and ladies, we must take our bodies as seriously as we take the rest of our whole selves. Now, nowhere is this more true than slowing down to the pace of Jesus. This is a, a practice that Richard Foster and others have referred to as slowing. In truth, you won't find slowing on any of the major lists of spiritual disciplines. You won't find it anywhere in ancient literature, 
And it's all for one simple reason. When Jesus walked the face of this planet, he didn't have a motorcycle. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't have social media. He didn't live in a, in a modern day city with mind numbing traffic as he would commute to work and back every day. So it's in these spaces that we need to experiment a little in figuring out how Jesus would approach this modern day pace of life. And how to develop some counter habits to guard our hearts, our minds, and our bodies against the culture of speed and hurry and overloading. It was pastor and author John Ortberg who defined the, the, the practice of slowing as cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Not something we would naturally gravitate towards. One of the ideas that he offers is to find the longest line in the grocery store and go stand in it without checking or touching your phone once until you reach the teller. You just stand there and you force your heart and your mind to slow down. Now, I'm going to be honest, I've tried this a couple times. And the first time especially was hell. Um, the second time wasn't much better. But as I stood there, I, I can remember just scanning every queue, every line, especially the much shorter lines. And I had to do everything inside of myself to stop myself from queue jumping like a taxi in morning traffic. Why? Why on earth would we do this? Why on earth would we put ourselves through this? Folks, the reason why we would make ourselves wait out of our own free will, and that's the catch, is so that when we are forced to wait against our will, by someone else or by circumstances or even by God, that we won't freak out and have an absolute meltdown. No. But that in that moment, we can be calm and content. And that doesn't happen naturally. It's something we need to practice. See, slowing is actually very similar to the practice of fasting. It's another, another practice of the life of Jesus that was um, regarded as, as crucial and central by the early church, but somewhere along the line has lost, uh, lost its, its, its meaning or its, or its weight to a degree in our Western culture. Because as Westerners, we can't grasp a way of being shaped and molded into the image of Jesus. Uh, not by way of our mind, but by way of our stomachs. 
We completely understand and get how reading a book or watching a video or listening to a podcast or going to a, to a life group, that can change us 100%. We, we, we get that and we're on board and we're good with that. But not eating? How does that change anything? Like all I have is a, a stomach that's empty and grumbling and I've got hunger pains. But it's not like I'm reading or I'm studying something. It's like we have no category for that. Because the Western culture that we live in is all about the approach of Rene Descartes. The guy who came out and said, I think, therefore, I am. <laughs> but yet through Scripture, we see that I'm not just a mind. You're not just a mind. No. I'm a spirit and a body as well. And on a biological level, you can't even separate the mind from the body. No. And it's through these processes that I realize that I can turn my body from an enemy into an ally. I can give it to God for His good work. And this realization, when, when we come to realize this, guys and ladies, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for you and for me. So right now, I'd love to just give you the basic idea behind slowing. You see, the basic idea behind slowing is to slow down your body and you slow down your soul. Slow down your body and you'll slow down your soul. If we can slow down the pace at which we move our bodies through this world, then maybe, just maybe, we can slow down our soul to the pace at which it can taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, we're going to take a few minutes and just talk about a couple of, of creative ideas to help you and to help me get into the process of slowing. We're going to call them exercises for lack of a better word. And the first exercise, um, I want to encourage you to pick one or two of the following games that we're going to list and practice them as a practice of slowing. The first game is to come to a full stop at a stop street. Come to a full stop at a stop street. When last did you do that? The second one is one that none of us should be doing, but some of us are doing. Don't text and drive. Try that for a while. The third one is show up 10 minutes early for an appointment. Then sit there and don't look at your phone. Just wait. The fourth game is the one we mentioned earlier. Get into the longest line at the grocery store. Then don't touch your phone. Don't look at your phone. Just stand there, quieten your heart, quieten your soul until you get to the teller. And then the fifth one, which might be the hardest one for any of us out there. Game number five is drive the speed limit. Try that for a couple of weeks and see how it fits.
guys and ladies, I want to encourage you to commit to these games for at least a week and see how it is affecting your soul. Then at the same time, pay attention to how your body responds. I do believe that you will be quite amazed at the results. But I really want to encourage you to be playful with it. Don't be legalistic about it. The goal here is not to make up more rules. Not at all. The goal here is to slow down your soul. And if a couple of these games can help get you there, then that's great. The second exercise that I want to encourage you to consider is to cut one or three things out of your daily schedule. Just cut out one or three things out, one to three things out of your daily schedule. If you don't have a daily schedule, then that's maybe a very good place to start. Just draw up a week or a month of what your life looks like. And then as you consider the things on, on that schedule, delete a few things. Cut a few things out. You may be saying, Ramon, well, what do I cut out? Like, what are the things that I should be cutting out? Here are a few easy targets that end up eating up heaps of time in people's lives all around the world. First thing that you can consider is cutting out TV. Social media, time online, video games, texting, or maybe just extra social obligations. You'll know what's important and what's not. Now, this exercise requires a clear vision of your life before God, a basic sense of His call on your life and a sense of your values and and what they are. This should force you to ask, what really matters to me, really? What are my priorities? What relationships do I need to give my energies to? What activities are honestly just a waste of my time? Because guys and ladies, remember, how you spend your time is how you spend your life. And these are great questions for us to just sit and ask ourselves and answer honestly. Then the third exercise. The third exercise might sound a bit complex. I'm going to confess and say I haven't gone full tilt with it yet. I've applied certain of these principles. I have made a commitment to my wife that I am going to give it a try within this next month. So I'm outing myself right here. Um, And also I'm technologically challenged. So like it's a bit of a a Jedi mind trick for me, but we'll get there. Um, The third exercise is to turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. At the end of the day, guys and ladies, the smartphone is a major obstacle to an unrushed life. It's also a major obstacle to our spiritual lives in general. Not necessarily the phone part of the smartphone, but all the other parts to the smartphone. You know, the apps, the internet, the infinity that sits in your pocket day in and day out. That part. The smartphone is literally designed to distract you and to get you addicted. You can go and look up, read up, 
find out how, what the thought processes were behind the design of your smartphone and that was exactly it. It was literally designed for distraction and addiction. Poet Mary Oliver once said this. She said, attention is the beginning of devotion. And isn't that just so true? Think about what prayer is, what worship is. It all starts with attention. So I want to encourage you to feel free to adopt any of these as you see fit. For all my uh, technically challenged friends like myself out there, apparently I'm told you can just Google it and uh, it'll tell you exactly how to go about doing this. But here's the process. First off, disable the email function on your phone. Secondly, delete all social media apps on your phone. Switch it to desktop. Disable your web browser. Delete all notifications, including your text alerts. And I want to say especially your text or WhatsApp alerts. Delete news apps or at least just uh, shut down the, the news alerts. Delete every single app you don't need or that doesn't save you time. Keep all those wonderful apps that make life so much easier, like your maps, your calculator, all of those sorts of apps. Go for it. Keep, keep them. They're worth keeping. <laughs> then consolidate the remaining apps that you have on your phone into a few simple boxes and then move them to your second screen so that your home screen is free and clear. Basically, a phone with a nice photo in the background. You know what I'm talking about. Then, this is the tough one. Set your phone to grayscale mode. Set your phone to grayscale mode. Now, again, I'm told that you can set it up so that um, you can just do an easy triple click to turn the color back on when you're wanting to look at photos and stuff like that. And then just triple click it again to put it back to black and white. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. One heck of an exercise. I'm taking up the challenge. I hope that you would too. The fourth exercise is to parent your dumb phone or just your phone for now, but hopefully it's going to be a dumb phone soon. What does that mean? What does it mean to parent your phone? Well, as parents, we put our children to sleep at night and then we wake them up in the morning, except for Saturdays, because somehow they just know that on a Saturday they get to play all day and they maximize that time and wake up way before we do. As parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But what we're talking about here is doing the exact same with your phone. It's to ultimately to turn off your device an hour before you go to bed. And put it away somewhere. Now I get that within the context of living in South Africa, you may be in a space where that's not a good idea to not have your phone off somewhere. Well, maybe just switch it off for that time before bed and then when you have to go to bed, switch it back on so that if you need it in case of an emergency, you have it available to you. If you live in a really safe space where you feel like it's possible to do that, then just switch it off. If you want to level up, don't touch your phone 
all the way through the next morning until you've really just spent time in scripture and in prayer, just spend time with God. And then only after that, touch your phone for the first time. This might mean that you have to do this second part, and that is to get a real alarm clock. Get a real alarm clock. Now, most of us use the alarm clock on our phone. True fact. So I had to go and look up on Take A Lot what an alarm clock costs so that I'm not giving you like really bad advice. But you can essentially from anything from about 100 bucks all the way up to like 750 rand, again, according to Take A Lot, uh, you can get an alarm clock, one that doesn't require you touching your phone and then as a result engaging in Instagram and Facebook and news feeds and news reports and all kinds of stuff. An option for you to consider. Another option to consider is to read and pray with your phone put away. I love that line. Read and pray with your phone put away. I want to make a t-shirt like that. Ultimately, what we're talking about is for those of us who, who, who read scripture off of an app, I love the Uversion app and I feel like it's such a great tool. I just feel that if that's my primary space of reading, oftentimes notifications and messages and all that sort of stuff comes up and it's so easy to get distracted because why? I'm on a device of infinity, as we've already said. I strongly want to encourage you to consider switching to an actual hold-it-in-my-hand Bible where apps and alerts and notifications and all kinds of stuff can't come and distract me. Whenever you pray, put away all distractions, put away your phone, make sure the TV's off, make sure the radio's off, make sure that, that there's no extra noise around you. Just focus in on what you're doing and allow your mind and your soul to just slow down. Now with all four exercises, you're not committing to anything long-term and I want to stress that. View them as, as these little short-term experiments in living in the way of Jesus. Play around with them. Watch the undercurrents of your own heart as the days and the weeks go by. Incorporate into your permanent lifestyle any of them that you find helpful and discard the ones that you don't. As we end off this series today, I want to say this, is that there is ultimately no silver bullet for a suffering-free life. In truth, Jesus never promised one. In fact, he spoke into the opposite, that we would face hard times on this side of eternity. Because guys and ladies, life is hard, full stop. And if anyone has told you any differently, they're lying to you. As we said in week one, an easy one, an, an easy life is not an option, but an easy yoke is. And there is a better way to live for you and for me. A way to carry the weight of life with ease and with love and with joy and with peace. It's the way of Jesus. It's the slow, unrushed, open to interruption, relaxed 
present to God and people way of life. It's the way of Jesus. And as he loves it, he invites you and he invites me to live it with him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the series. We thank you for the way in which we've been challenged through the series. I know I have been challenged to my core throughout this process, Lord. Lord, and it's so easy to just see this as content and carry on. But Lord, my heart, my prayer for your people, and I believe that your heart for your people is that we would come and engage with these disciplines, engage with the way of Jesus, that we wouldn't just engage with the truth of Jesus, but that we would engage with the way of Jesus so that we can find the life of Jesus. Lord, that we would take these spiritual disciplines, Lord, each and every one of them, Lord, that we would incorporate them into our lives, that we would do everything we can to slow our lives down to your pace for our lives. Lord, so that we can have healthy family lives, that we can have healthy emotional lives, Lord, that we can have healthy spiritual lives, that ultimately our lives daily would reflect your life more. I pray for courage for men and women right now to take up these challenges, to love them out as they commit every part of their lives to you. Spirit, soul, and body. We love you, Lord. These lives are yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us and thank you for being with us throughout the series. If you enjoyed this series, please feel free to pass it on to a friend or someone that you know could really do with hearing this. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening in to the Life Central podcast today. If you would like to get connected or get involved, follow us on social media or visit our website lifecentral.org.za We hope you join us here again next week.